Greetings and salutations, everyone. Welcome to the Ashland New Place Festival Play for Keeps podcast. Today, we're presenting a conversation with R. Eric Thomas and Hayden Bryce Walker. Before we get started, though, we're excited to share with you that tickets are now available to our first live stage reading of the 2020 AMPF season. We're presenting a workshop and reading of Perseverance by Callie Kimball, who was an AMPF 2017 winning playwright. The reading is on Saturday, April 4th at 7.30, and details are on our website, ashlandnewplays.org. We're also thrilled to share that we'll be having an AMPF fundraising event on Wednesday, April 22nd at 7.30 in Ashland, Oregon. It's a special theater talk with Nataki Garrett, the new artistic director of the Oregon Shakespeare Festival. We hope you will join us. Now on to our amazing guests. Our Eric Thomas is an award-winning playwright and humor writer. He is the recipient of the 2017-2018 National New Play Network Commission for Nightbird and the 2018 Dramatist Guild Lanford Wilson Award. We recorded his play, Mrs. Harrison, on the AMPF Play for Keeps podcast previously. He is also a senior staff writer at L.com, where he writes the daily humor column, Eric Reads the News. He is a long-running host of The Moth in Philadelphia and D.C., and his newly released memoir, Here For It, or How to Save Your Soul in America, is out now. Lin-Manuel Miranda said of Eric, pop culture obsessed, Sadaris level laugh out loud funny, our Eric Thomas is one of my favorite writers. Hagen Bryce Walker is a Puerto Rican American playwright, creative producer, born and raised in the American South, and is currently dividing his time between Philadelphia and Minneapolis, where he is the 2018-2019 Jerome Many Voices Fellow at the Playwright Center. His work is a kaleidoscope clash of caffeine, history, pornography, violence, pop culture, myth, and magic. Hagen Bryce is the co-founder of On The Rocks, which Broad Street Review hailed as the most explosive fringe comedy in years. Now, without any further ado, are Eric Thomas and Hayden Bryce Walker. Um, I feel I have so much I want to ask you about, um, because you're doing like 9 million things. So many of them I, uh, already know about, but I like haven't gotten your take on, I don't even know where to start. Um, I feel the same way. Actually, I feel very excited to have this conversation. I mean, I know we can like just call each other on the phone, but this feels more legit somehow. Well, yeah, I think it's very important that everyone in America also be like listening to our conversations. Um, Particularly, uh, I really think that you have to send this to Nina Garcia at Elk. I think <laughs> I, I can imagine her and I kind of, you know, maybe like bonding at a Panera Bread in Times Square and her just being like, oh, Hagen, you're, you know, just so special to me. And I'm like, Nina, thank you so much. <laughs> You know, well, yeah, she's actually on the call as well. Uh, I was like, hey, memes, why don't you just like jump onto this call with this playwright? Um, and uh, and she was like, sure, I, I don't, I'm free this evening. Uh, so that's, did I tell I told you about the time I, I was like the only time I've met her, right? You said that you were wearing ill-fitting corduroys when you met that her. That is exactly what I was wearing because I, so I was up for fashion week, which is like uh, the, a sentence that should never come out of my mouth. And <laughs> Uh, I had been sent to like a like the Kristen Siriano show and the Blonde show, and I ran out of clothes. I like I ran out of like clothes to wear, and so I was like stopping by the office to just like I don't know I don't know what I was doing, um, and uh, so I was wearing like my dumbest worst clothes, and I've like burned the pants since then, oh and. They're like, oh, Nina's coming. Nina's coming. She wants to meet everybody. And I was like, you need to shove me in a closet. Like, you need to put me away. So 
Uh, I don't know uh, that she uh, she may remember me as that like weird misshapen blob in the corner. I'm, I was it was very Anne Hathaway in in every movie, but mostly Anne Hathaway in The Devil Wears Prada. Oh my god, that's like, but that you'll have that memory forever. Oh yeah, that's great. Yeah, that's the memory I want to have forever. <laughs> yeah, I want to like I want to be dying. I want to be on Mars in the year twenty three hundred, like <laughs> letting life slowly ebb out of my computer brain chip. Uh, and remember the one time Nina looked at me like, are you, are you the janitor or like what's happening here? No, she was very kind. Actually. She was very nice. Very kind. Actually. That's amazing. I love that. I mean, she, like, I literally, I'm just so obsessed with project on way. Like always have been. So I'm just, I'm here for her. So, you know, if she happens to fall into this conversation, you know, that would be great. So just putting it out there. Great. Great. Well, I will, I will let her know. Um, so I want to talk to you, like, so you were doing Nashville. I want to, like, like, maybe we should talk about, like, our professional life. Um, so you're doing the Nashville Ingram New Works program, um, which I did last year. Uh, I am so envious. You're there with Morgan Gould, who's the motherfucking best. Oh, my God. What a fucking queen she is. Yes. Yes. Like, like what the fuck? Like, it's amazing. <laughs> like, and... It's also, it's like her and Gina Femia, who I also have been like following for a long time, like on social media and stuff. Um, and I'm just like, who are these like amazing writers that I get to like spend time with? And then when I got to Nashville, I didn't quite understand like what the program was. Mm-hmm. I know you had like kind of told me and like gave me the heads up and I had read about it. But the fact that it's like literally stay in this mansion. Mm-hmm. <laughs> your meals for free. Like I was shook my first weekend there, like truly shook. No, it's like, I, I, I remember when I, uh, when I went down, I felt like Annie uh, when she goes to daddy Warbucks house, I was like, what do you want? What do you want me to do in exchange for all this stuff? And they're like, you just eat. And I'm like, you don't understand. Like I'm a playwright. That's not how it works here. Literally. And I feel like it's like, more theaters should do it this way. Cause I feel like getting like a stipend or like, any kind of compensation. Like I'm obviously going to like piss all that away at a Buffalo Wild Wings. Like <laughs> that's my life. Like give me like a stipend and like three nights at a Buffalo Wild Wings and the stipend is gone. Mm-hmm. So this is like, great. We're going to give you airfare and like all your lodging and all your food. And while you're here, you'll write a play. Like it just feels like, I feel like more people and more theaters should like follow this model because it's fucking amazing. Yeah, no, I agree. I wrote, you know, it, it like I've had a lot of really great development processes with a lot of different theaters or, or a couple different theaters, like whatever, like who am I, like Jeremy O'Harris. Um, uh, I've, <laughs> I've had a couple, um, but like the most productive in terms of like my creative health and like the movement of the play was Ingram because like they provide such a too now you have a reading happening which is fucking amazing yeah yeah exactly and i'm like i feel like the play is so much farther along than so many plays you know uh, that go through where you just like write it and then you bring them the draft and they're like oh we didn't want this and you're like oh my bad uh i'm a terrible mm-hmm. playwright i fooled you um but yeah it was amazing 
they are like everyone that like the staff of that theater is like so excited to like meet us that it's mm-hmm. almost like I'm like, wait, like no one has ever been this excited to meet playwrights ever. <laughs> yes. for the staff of Nashville rap. They were like, so like, oh my God, this is our favorite time. And it made me just feel like it was incredible. It's a great time. And I'm so like excited to like keep going down there. It's like a vacation once a month. Truly, yeah, it really is. I miss it so much. The first month I didn't get to go, I was like, I miss my family. Like, and I also miss like uh, not paying for food, but mostly I like miss everybody. Um, and they're like, they're also great in different ways. Like Nate is, has like the best dramaturgical mind I've ever encountered. Um, and then like Amos, you know, when Nate emailed and was like, Amos will provide anything you need. And I was like, I'm very confused about what this person's job is. And it was literally like, do you want a muffin? He'll give you a muffin. Literally, I could not, because I was like deep in the throes of tech, like, mm-hmm. you know, you know, Philly friends, you know how that goes. Mm-hmm. So I was like deep tech and I like was a hot fucking mess. I still haven't packed from Minnesota, even though I moved back six weeks ago. Mm-hmm. My, um, and I'm like trying to figure everything out. And I packed my shit and didn't bring a charger for my like surface. Which mm-hmm. I texted Amos and I was like, look, if there's any way you can find me a charger, that would be amazing. In 12 minutes, he responded with a picture and was like, is this what you need? I was like, I understand, <laughs> I understand Amos Glass and like how these things happen. And yeah, then exactly. writing like an HGTV play, um, Nate was like, oh, you know, the Property Brothers are based out of here. Amos can get you a meeting with them. And I'm like, wait, are you fucking serious? So yeah, no, I feel no. like if I get to meet the property brothers, that's going to be great. Um, well, for, okay. First of all, that is, they will totally be able to do that. And they will do that. Like when I came down, you know, I wrote a play about, um, that was partially about, uh, the re- reality TV and a bachelor contestant. And they're like, oh, well, this is the bachelor part capital of the world. Like, do you want to meet like a former like bachelorette contestant? And I was like, uh, maybe. And like, I never got around to doing it, but like, they will make anything happen. Uh, <laughs> Hey, they were like, do you guys want to go goat karting? And we were like, wait, what? Like the options were just endless. Like it was, and we made a joke the first night. We were like, oh, we have a complaint. Our Airbnb doesn't have a pool, like LOL. And they freaking out. They're like, wait, there's actually a pool that we could take. There is that one pool. Do you have a membership to that week? And I was like, no, 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 guys. Like it, it's really, we're kidding. And there was like a literal 10 minute production meeting betwixt them about how to get get us to a pool. And I was like, I don't, it's really not serious. I promise. It's amazing. Yeah. And it's going to produce such great plays and the discussions you have, um, about the plays are really, really great. I miss it so much. Um, I'm really sad that I'm not doing it this year, but I want to do it again. Um, I'm also really excited for you to meet the property brothers because I feel like um, somehow you'll seduce both of them and, uh, that'll somehow become a part of your play. Yeah. I think that one of them is definitely, one of them definitely gives me like some kind of gay vibes, but it's not the one that you would expect. I, the, the more butch one gives me the gay vibes actually. So I feel like there's something to unpack in that. And we yeah. all know that, you know, I love a good threesome. So I feel like, <laughs> like I feel like I love a threesome. I love a threesome with celebrities. Like, I feel like that's also like part of my brand. So like, bring it on, you know? Tell me, like, this, I, I love that you've claimed threesomes with celebrities as part of your brand. Like, that's, uh, 
It, yeah. it, like, is that something that you are doing a lot of, this celebrity oh. threesome? Well, there was, it's, you know, celebrity, I would say, is maybe a strong word. <laughs> um, there was a time that I didn't, it wasn't even a threesome. The first time it was just like this guy who won like Malaysia's Got Talent. And then he was like, ended up at like NYU or something. And he was like, a, a fire. He like swallowed fire and did things with fire, but also wrote plays because like, you know, everyone in New York is like a playwright. So... <laughs> Him and I, like, you know, we had a good time together. And then my boyfriend and I, when we went to the Sandals Resort, there was, like, a reality, like, competition winner of, like, another country. So it feels like that's actually my brand. Like, if you win a reality show internationally, <laughs> like, that, that's my brand. So I'm thinking about how I can, like, you know, like, just, like, get as many countries as I can. Like, I wonder if there's, like, a bad situation I can, like... You know, like wear on a denim jacket or something. Like I'm really thinking about this. I definitely feel like this is some sort of like queer Cub Scout like uh, merit badge situation. I oh, feel like okay. maybe on suspenders or like on a harness. Like if you put the badges on a harness. Wow. Yeah. Or like on a bandana. You know, we could do like hanky code. Like you could, right. be whole, <laughs> could like really explore the whole thing. Uh, I'm glad that you support me in this endeavor. I absolutely do. I uh, I love celebrities, um, and uh, I love you know racking up badges. Um, <laughs> I'm not publicly commenting on that. I have a very different brand than you do. Uh, nobody I, in my I place ever has sex. Public reputation never has <laughs> I have literally zero like public reputation, so it's great. Like this is my brand. I'm like, yeah, you know, casual threesome. It's great. Oh my gosh, this is why I like that we are also like playwright friends because like literally you were writing about like sex and blood and like Ouija boards, and I'm like, everyone's a Christian in my play, and no one has a body. Um, oh my and- god. Plays, they don't feel like that to me. Like, that's so funny that that's how you, my plays sound, you describe them perfectly. But like, I feel like that's not, when I think about your plays, I don't think about it like that. I would never think about it like everyone's a Christian and no one has a boss. <laughs> I mean, that's not like technically true. Like most people in my plays are probably not Christians, but more people are, are Christians than not, which is fascinating to me. But like, I don't know. I tried to write this play that I, I wanted, I wanted to write about people like, like people of color fucking their way uh, out of white supremacy. Um, And so it was like, I was Mm -hmm. like, oh, they're definitely like, they're having sex on stage. They're like, it's very visceral and physical. And it's about like exorcising like vestiges of, of, you know, slavery and oppression out of their bodies. And like, I guess it worked and people found it very interesting and it got like good reviews on the, uh, uh, the new play exchange. And then I was like, yeah, I don't know. Let's just take all the sex out and turn these people into brains with mouths. Um, and that is where I was most comfortable. Oh my God. Yeah. I just, I think that we have to put, like, I'm, I'm really excited about, um, this like wave of like people like becoming intimacy certified and like all of that (laughs) stuff. And cause I think that like, for me, like sex on stage is like so important. Um, and I'm like the play I was writing in Minnesota that I workshop that I'm actually doing for core playwrights weekend at Interact is um, it's literally thruple, 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 or the threesome play or the rim job play. And, <laughs> in, and in this play, there is literally like a 15 page like sexual interlude that is nothing but like descriptions of like assholes and like all the things that were happening to assholes. Mm-hmm. And, 
everyone is like, wow, you know, this is like really something. And I'm like, yeah, but like when you think about this being performed, it obviously isn't going to be like quite like this. But I think that like sex on stage is like so important. And I think it can be like really, really great, especially when it's sex that's like not assault. You know what I mean? Like, right, I feel right, right. Like we've done that thing before, but it's like just people like having sex and particularly like fucking gay sex, like on mm-hmm. stage. We need more gay shit on stage. Well, I agree. And I think, I mean, I think there is definitely the kind of play that is, that makes its money by having a couple of like, uh, uh, traditionally attractive, like cis white guys, um, like showering their underwear on stage or whatever. And like, those are, that is like one kind of play, but I feel like yeah, I, I very rarely see like, <laughs> that is not what you're, that's not your project. Um, but I rarely feel like I see representations of like authentic sex. Um, and that's one of the things I find really interesting about your work is that like, there's an authenticity to it that feels real and doesn't feel like voyeuristic. Um, which is interesting because I usually get like when people have sex on stage, I get uncomfortable because I'm just like, this isn't real. But also I have to pretend that it is real. But like they're too close to me and somebody's mm-hmm. butt is out and I don't know what to do with myself. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But, like so where for you, where is the line between like this is sort of soft core purient versus this is artistically useful? Yeah, I think that's like I think that's super interesting. And I think that like audience I think that that feels like part of the experience for me, right? Like the discomfort or the like gratification of the audience and like being in that as a person feels like so connected to like the experience of the thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, Also seeing how like different groups of people like respond to like different, like different sex things, right? Mm -hmm. Like like in Fringe, we have so many like queer babies coming through and the Mm -hmm. queer are like literally like living their best life mm-hmm. but then if like you know a walnut street subscriber like happens to like <laughs> pop into the theater they're like you know like their their wigs gone and they're like, <laughs> so it's, it's kind of like figuring out like what that dynamic looks like i think that is like a really fascinating part of it but i do hear you because i do think the audience comfort is like i feel like in my work i'm really What's important to me is the actors and the creators comfort, but like, I don't actually care about audience comfort. Like Mm -hmm. to me, I'm not interested in necessarily, I don't want to obviously traumatize or trigger anyone. Right. So like, I feel like we try to like put like our warnings out, like our content warnings, all that stuff out before the show. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I do think that for me, I feel like I want to care for like the people in the process and if they feel safe and they're doing the thing, if someone in the audience feels uncomfortable, I'm okay with that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, I think, I think that makes a lot of sense. I think discomfort can be really, really healthy. And I think a lot of times when I go to the theater and I'm uncomfortable for whatever reason, whether it's emotional or, you know, like a physical proximity to like a local actor's butt or whatever, I like. I have to like evaluate for myself, like, what was that feeling? What are you, what is the point of this? Um, it's so, interesting. I saw, I want to be oh, like, touched in like, you know what I mean? Like as an audience member for me, like as someone in an audience, I don't want to be touched and please don't look at me. So like yes. those, yes. Like, <laughs> yes. it's like, do not offer me a prompt to participate in. Do <laughs> not ask me to follow you someplace. Like I would like to remain seated with my libation and enjoy without being like, you're touching me. Like, please stop. So like, I get that. Like that uh-huh. there's, 
like things that make people, and you might be a proximity to a local actor's butt, which that doesn't bother me, but I hear you. Well, I think I, like, I, you know, it's so funny. Like I'm, I'm literally thinking of like one production where I was like, I know this person professionally. I'm sitting in, you know, was I like, uh, I was sitting at the, the Drake and I was like three rows on the stage and I was like, Oh, my suspense, my suspension of disbelief is gone because I'm just like, Oh, I know these people and this feels weird, which never happens. You know, if again, so for me, I'm like, oh, I have to sit a certain, like certain distance away from the stage or like, it also could have been something about that production where mm-hmm. it felt too, it didn't felt thought, feel thought through. Um, mm-hmm. And to be honest, I didn't know why they were naked. So that's the big question for me. Like, why are we naked? You know, that's what I ask myself anytime I'm naked or around other people who are naked. I'm like, why are we naked right now? What's the point of this? What is the objective here? Um, Which is like, you know, you go to a nude beach, you're like, I get the project. This makes sense. Um, It's interesting because in our Fringe show, actually, um, that was actually a criticism we got from several people is that they were upset that there was no full nudity, which was just interesting. Um, That's also a fringe thing. Like people, I think fringe audiences uh, notoriously want to see some some booties. Yeah, I feel that too. But it felt like in this, like it was like the same question that you had. It's like, why are, you know, like do we have to be naked right now? Like probably not. So like, you know, we default to not being naked and like bras and underwear. That's totally fine. Right. Well, that's the thing. And I think, I think it has its place. I, I, you know, um, and, but yeah, I think your, the level of thought and care that you put into it, I I think comes through in your work because it doesn't feel unsafe and it doesn't feel weird. And I would like, I would like that with so many other, um, so many other things that I end up seeing. Oh, that's um, nice. Thank you. Oh, of course. Like, I'm obsessed. I'm obsessed with your work. Um, and I'm like, obsessed with you and your stuff. Like, truly. You're my well, favorite. You're my favorite. Um, so this is it's good that we're, like, sitting here on the phone <laughs> talking to each other. This is really just an excuse to, like, talk. Um, <laughs> Literally. <laughs> I'm scheduling, like, a bunch of podcasts. And I'm just like, oh, let's, uh, yeah, let's just talk to Hagen. Let's just talk to Hagen every week. I love it. Uh, what else? Oh, okay. So like, uh, I've produced a couple of solo shows. Um, uh, and that was too much. Like the, the actor in that show myself was uh, terrible (laughs) and, uh, a real nightmare to work with. And the logistics were a nightmare. Um, but you, like you do this consistently. Do you, is this your preference? Do you want to move more into, uh, working with like theater companies or are you okay just continuing to like, burn things down and, and light people's wigs on fire. Well, you know, it's, it's actually interesting. I have a complicated response to this because I feel uh-huh. like different things. I feel like I fucking, I loathe self-producing, but mm. what I love about it is Elena and I, because it's only the two of us, if something is fucked up, we know it's on us. So it's only the two of us to hold each other accountable. Okay. And I feel we're really good at holding each other accountable. Like she'll be like, bitch, why didn't you fucking like enter in the mail champ? Like what the fuck? Like, <laughs> you know, like bitch, where's the cash box for box? Like, <laughs> like that's like the thing. And I think that because of that and because we trust each other so much, that makes it great. And I also think that the way that we work and the way that we're like, I'm involved with like 
casting and she's involved with development. Like we, there's so much like cross pollination with us. And I think that our fucking vibes in the room, like people, actors like want to work with us, which feels like really great, which Mm -hmm. is why we have people like fucking Campbell O'Hare who like, you know, is like too famous for us, TBA. Like (laughs) not too famous for us. Like, you know, 15 Barrymore Awards, like (laughs) equity, like, you know, probably shouldn't be doing fringe for Like, probably shouldn't be happening. But every year she comes back because it's like the vibe that we create in the room. I think it's like really special. Um, And everyone falls in love, which is great. Um, I think that this year was particularly challenging because we had a 10-person cast. And so many people in the cast were like babies, right? Like we had so many people that were still students and like juggling school schedules. And like, so that felt like a huge undertaking that like last year when we had a five person cast, it was not the same with that. Um, So that felt like an undertaking. And then the other side of it about like getting other theaters to do it, like, look, I fucking would love someone to be like, you know what, you don't have to produce, here you go. But I feel like, I've fucking lived in this city for eight years and no one is banging down my door. Mm-hmm. And after the open letter and the city caught fire, I think everyone's fucking <laughs> done with me. Literally. <laughs> I think they're all like, fuck this loose cannon. Like we can't with him. Like we're not taking him anywhere. Um, and I think that, so I think that like affected me a bit professionally and the companies that like might have been inclined to produce me won't anymore um, in this city. So I think that I'm like starting to like maybe consider branching out and going elsewhere. Um, But I do think that one of the things is I think people are just afraid. I don't know, like I feel like, and I don't work as like so like, oh my God, like whatever. But I think that there's some level of like artistic directors who gatekeepers who are like afraid of millennials talking like millennials. You know what I mean? Like, I think it's actually as simple as that. I don't even think it's like necessarily the content. I think it's like, oh shit. These are like young people that are talking like young people, not talking like a 50 year old white man wrote this shit. Like they're actually talking like young people. And I think that like that scares scares gatekeepers because they're like, oh shit, maybe I'm not as relevant as I was when Rent premiered in 1994. Like maybe I'm not that relevant anymore. I'm like, I think that that's like a thing that I feel like I'm always kind of battling. And no matter what national fellowship I get, I feel like when I come back here, people still don't want to produce my shit. Mm-hmm. No, I totally hear that. And I think I think you're onto something. I think there is there is an idea of what the kind of play that you write or the kinds of plays that you write, because I think you write, you know, a, a wide variety of plays, what they should be. Um, and I think that idea comes from plays that were generally written like 10 to 50 years ago. Um, and so, yeah, I, I also do feel like there is there is like a locality ceiling. Like I, I feel like there was, I thought when I, and we, I feel like we've talked about this offline. Um, I thought that when I got the best new play Barrymore for time was on our side, like I would see an immediate change in the, uh, interest at least around me. Um, and I don't really feel like that was true. Um, but like two years later, um, I started to get more interest, uh, from people. And then when I moved away, um, all of a sudden, like relationships that had sort of been on like, like simmer turned up to like, I don't know, a soft boil. Um, 
And do you think that's because like that you uh, you didn't feel as immediate anymore, like because you were not here? Like that's what you mean by that? Like you moved away, and it's like oh, like we have to keep him. I think I think that's part of it. I think there is also just sort of this idea of um, I don't know. Like I, I I feel like the the tide moves a lot slower than it feels like it should move. I feel like you know like with somebody mm. like you, you're like you do all these successful friend shows. You're really great at putting your name out there. You would think that people would be like, let's get coffee. Let's figure out for whatever. But I feel like like, we sit in the back of people's minds for a lot longer than we think we are. And then all of a sudden out of nowhere, and it really feels like sometimes I'm I'm getting these emails like out of nowhere. um, And and then I think back and I'm like, oh, I guess maybe they like saw that thing I did last year and have been thinking about it or whatever, or saw something I did two years ago. Um, Or like sometimes people will say like, hey, I didn't get a chance to see Times on our side or Mrs. Harrison, can you send me the scripts? And then that's how it starts, which is also fascinating to me because I'm like, so you just like know of me as a, uh, as a person, um, but you want to read the work uh, now. So like, I don't know. And I feel like I suspect that like national theater is, is, is kind of the same way. It feels, it feels like you should, like, you know, I, I feel like I look at Jeremy O'Harris, he's who, by the way, apparently is my nemesis. Um, and, uh, uh which, nemesis. yes, um, I've decided, uh, he's great. I'm obsessed with him. We do not write the same kind of plays, but I'm still like, mm, you're my nemesis. You're keeping me from being successful. Um, it's all his fault. <laughs> it's all his fault. Him and Rihanna. Um, no, but I look at, somebody, <laughs> I look at somebody like him and I'm like, oh man, like he blew up out of nowhere. But even he, like, was two years ago, was, like, curating, I can't remember the name of the festival, some, like, uh, God, some some festival in New York. And then, like, two years before that was, like, doing, like, little stuff. Um, and so it, 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 things feel, I think, uh, like they come out of nowhere. But then when you, like, do the forensics on them, it's like, oh, no, this has been building for a really long time. And people just need a lot more evidence before they're willing to, like, make make a leap, which is both annoying and I guess maybe some sort of cold comfort. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it feels like also like obviously having like an MFA from Yale, like is going to help. Right. Like, I mean, not to like take away from like Jeremy at all, but I'm, and I cannot fucking get into grad school to save my life also, Mm -hmm. which is like, I'm like, what, what is happening? Literally. Um, I like this year, I don't even know if, I don't think I told you this, but I, so I was a finalist for a grad school last year did not get in, right? And then this mm-hmm. year I applied to the same grad school. And I was like, oh, for sure I'm gonna get in. Like they invited me to apply again. I was like a many voices fellow. Like I was like, oh bitch, like I fucking got this shit in the bag. And mind you, did not get any sort of email except for the form rejection email. What? Like, no personal email. I got the form rejection. And then a week later, someone, a department chair of another grad school, that's a grad school you have to pay to go to, reached out to me and was like, oh, I got your email address from the department chair of this program that I wanted to go to. And she told me you were looking for schools, but you weren't quite right for her program. What? Like, this is the kind of shit where I'm like, what, like, what, what weird fucking twilight world am I living in where right. I can't perform reject, I can't get like a personal rejection, but like I can get like another program head, you know? It's so, I'm like, that's, yeah, no, that's, that's actually fucked up. Like, it feels like, it feels like there is a, like, I guess a benevolent impulse behind it, but that also feels really disrespectful to be like, 
hey, I uh, heard they didn't want you, but uh, do you want to come here? Like, that's like, what? No, you don't need that. Literally. So I'm just like, okay, great. So I really want grad school, but like maybe I need to like take a second and like figure out my life. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I do think that like there are these sort of things kind of like going off what you were saying, where there are things that like kind of feel like springboards for people. Mm -hmm. So like, great. Like these are things that can like help people. So I feel like I'm trying to like find my like springboard to just get someone to fucking produce me. And even if it's not someone producing me, if it's like, okay, great. I don't want to produce you, but I will give you $10,000 to produce your show yourself. I will Mm -hmm. be like, great. Like I will take that. I'm in the market for a daddy. I think, I think that's actually (laughs) what (laughs) anyone listening to this, I am in the market for a daddy, someone to, you know, take care of me and my boyfriend and help me produce my shows financially. Maybe that person is Nina Garcia. You see? (laughs) You brought it back. What you need to do is go to like Britain's Got Talent and just see which daddies hang out there. Because clearly that's your market. Right. I think that is my market. I need to tap into that more. Find some like rich British like magician and like be like, oh, yeah, saw me in half daddy. Like, yeah. I just I I think that's like what I'm like really in the market for here. So, you know, we'll see. Um, What are you you working on right now? Um, Oh, God, like literally one million things. Um, I I, so in terms of plays, uh, I've got a play going up um, uh, at a local theater company in Baltimore, um, a place called uh, Safe Space. And that's a play I wrote with another theater company in Baltimore. They were like developing it and I was hoping they were going to produce it, but they weren't interested. So um, this theater company, Single Carrot, uh, was like, yeah, we're uh, we're interested Great in working with you. What's that? I've heard amazing things about Single Carrot. Yeah, they're like amazing. Like and they do really interesting work. And I thought um, I don't well, whatever. It's true. I thought that I wasn't daring enough. Uh, like a playwright to work with them. And so I was really excited that they were interested in working with me. Um, and I'm really, I'm excited for this play. Uh, and uh, so that's coming up. And then I've got the reading of Crying on Television in uh, with the DC uh, LGBT Theater Festival. Um, and I'm working on a screenplay, um, uh, which is like neither here nor there, but I'm like, well, it's people talking, so it's the same thing. Um, <laughs> But bitch, I'm like literally teaching myself how to write a screenplay because uh, I was like, oh, I can write a play. I can like and I've written the pilot. Very it's different. not the same thing at all. It's different. Yeah. And like it's it's interesting because I've talked to a couple of people over the last couple of years because people like, you know, people people find me through my column and then they're like, oh, you're a playwright. Do you want to like talk to this agent or do you want to talk to this producer? Um uh, you know, to like, because you've got a voice and like, maybe you can parlay that into other things. Um, and the world is just so different. Like the Hollywood, like, like Los Angeles, like filmmaking world is so, so different. Like you have to go into these meetings knowing exactly who you are and knowing exactly like what you're selling. And that is not what I know. I do not like, I'm like, look, I've been through a lot of therapy, but I'm like, what? I don't know who I am. I don't know what I can offer you. Um, and, uh, so it has not been as successful. I am working, uh, with someone now to like develop the screenplay that's based on, um, part of my book. Um, I guess I can say that, uh, sure, whatever. Um, it's true. 
And I'm like, I also don't know like what I'm allowed to say about various things, but it's like, it is such a different animal and it almost feels like I have to like, I have to like start from the very beginning and refine my voice um, mm-hmm. because it's so technical and it's so structured. Um, and where it's like, when I write a play, I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is kind of like August Osage County, but it's also just like, I'm just writing words until I figure out what, who wants something. Um, <laughs> <laughs> which is like that's literally how i write a play i'm like people are like okay this is really fun does anybody want anything in this play i'm like is that necessary i don't know i'm not sure oh god the question is like well what makes today special like, oh, oh god oh my god why me. today of all days i'm like because it's the day i started the play i don't know i don't know Oh, it's the worst. And I like structure. Like I like teaching structure. I like like a dissecting structure. But every once in a while, I'm like, it's just people sitting around having a good conversation and getting into a fight. I don't know why. Literally, I, I feel the same. Like I feel like so, so much of the playwriting industry is that thing where it's just like, I, uh, of, like, you know, I hate like, and we've talked about this a little bit too. Like whenever like you're like a finalist for something and the question in the interview is like, well, why do you want this? And it's like, okay, like, <laughs> right. like, bitch, like I literally spent like a fucking so many hours writing a cover letter, sending you a play. Doing mm-hmm. What do you mean? Why do I want it? Because this is a good op. Like I don't, right. it's like that thing. It's like so frustrating. And I hear you too, where it's like, it's the day because it's the fucking day that I wrote the play. That's what makes the day special. Right. I do. Feel, it's, it does feel like a whole different industry to be, to like, be able to like look at your play from like 30,000 feet and say like, this is why I want this opportunity and not that one. And this is what I want to work on in this opportunity. Like what's the difference between your objectives for like a one day versus a three day versus like a 28 hour. And like, I get, I like, I definitely understand like there are fungible differences between what you can do in like various lengths of time. But at a certain point it's like, I want to make the play better. And then I want someone to give me money to produce it. Um, Like, that's what I want. Yeah. And then in the middle of that, I want to be in a new city and get trashed. Like that's like, (laughs) (laughs) for me, it's like, yes, I want to develop the play, but also once rehearsals out, I want to go to every gay bar in Chelsea and get fucked up. And then, Oh my God. Then write my pages. Like that's how I kind of feel. Like I want to like, I want to like take the death becomes her potion and become you because like my like I'm like a little bit older. I think I'm probably like five or six years older than you, maybe more. And like I've found like you know when I'm going someplace and workshopping something, I will be like, great, I'm gonna go out, I'm gonna go get drunk, go get a, go to a gay bar, sing a bunch of show tunes, and instead I'm like, oh, I guess I'm gonna revise till midnight and then go to bed. Like I'm. I'm a disaster. Like I'm the worst gay that person. Actually, doesn't feel like you're that. That feels like maybe I'm the disaster, and you're <laughs> you're doing your job. <laughs> Whereas, literally, like I like got in the car at Nashville, like from the airport, and they're like, "Well, what do you want to do?" I was like, "I want to go clubbing," and they were, "Okay, you literally just arrived. Like, <laughs> let's, like let's let's wheel it in a little bit. Like you just got here, like." Yeah, I just feel like it is such, like, part of, like, my aesthetic. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
and you know, Kevin will call it alcoholism. And I'm like, no, this is my process. Like it's not, alcoholism. <laughs> it, is, it is my process. Like I just, it's, it's like in the DNA of the thing I feel like. So I'm like, I feel like that it's going out and like doing that feels like so part of like the experience of like what I want people to like feel when they go to a theater. But mm -hmm. I'm like, like, I'm going to like write at a bar. Like, that's like, where do you like to write? Do you have to like, do you have weird specific like writing rituals? Um, no, I don't. Like, only because like, because of the, uh, all the different things that I write and the, the fact that I write like kind of constantly for all these things I'm, I, you know, I'm, I'm late for, uh, I am like, I write everywhere. Like I write at my house. I write on trains. I've written, I've written many things in the back of, uh, like Ubers and Lyfts, um, uh, and like you can like focus, like, how do you, where do you write? Like you write on your phone or something? No, no. I just bring my computer with me everywhere. And I use my phone as a hotspot if I need it. Um, You're in like, the back of an Uber with your phone as a hotspot. Yeah. No, I'm a disaster. <laughs> you would think that I was the president of Microsoft and I'm like, no, I just got to write these rewrites on this oh, monologue. Oh my God. That is amazing. I can see that so clearly in my head. <laughs> no, I do that all the time. I was, I flew into Salt Lake city to do a show at, uh, do a moth show at the Sundance uh, film festival. And I needed to like get some stuff done. And, and like, there was a whole bunch of things that needed to like get written before I left. Um, and so, like, it was, like, a, maybe an hour-long Uber ride. And, like, there was a really lovely uh, young woman who was driving and, like, giving me, like, all this information about Salt Lake. And I was like, okay, uh, this is great. I will definitely read the Wikipedia, but I have to get this done. Uh, and I apologize, and I thank you, um, and blessings to you and all your family. I cannot. Oh, my God. That is – I love you. I will check out Wikipedia. Like, I have to do this. That's incredible. Yeah. No, so it can, like – I like I write better when I am like I am panicked, honestly. Yeah, I actually feel that way, too. Where like when I'm like, oh, my God, like I'm like supposedly working on this commission for the Playwright Center, which like my first draft was due on September 10th. There was no first draft, but the check has been cashed and the play is, <laughs> happening. <laughs> the play is happening in a week and a half. And I'm like literally like, you know, here I am like doing my thing. Um, but I do think that like pressure does feel like it helps me, but I feel like I've met so many writers who are like, Oh, like I can't write in my bed or like, I can't write, but you feel like you don't feel that way. You can write anywhere. No. I mean, like, it's funny when we moved into our new apartment, um, you know, we have a study in our apartment and, uh, David was like, do you want to get a desk? Um, and I was like, I don't know what I would do with that. I would put, I'd put bills on that. Um, I, I don't, I've never had really like, uh, like a little writing sanctum. Um, and even when, even at Nashville, you know, like, uh, some of the people I was down in Nashville with, like, we were like, you know, they were like, oh, we wish there was like a place that we could just like go away in, in the house and like, write. And I was like, I don't care. I'll write in the shower. Like, I really do. House I, is amazing. Like, yeah, it's astounding. the house is like the most, the nicest place I've ever been to, let alone <laughs> lived in. I walked in and I was like, what is happening here? Like, that's crazy. Yeah, just you can write anywhere in that house. Yeah, I don't know. I think some people like need a lot of like quiet and whatnot. Like, I don't know. I have. Um, yeah, I, I took myself on like a little retreat. Here's the thing. So I don't really like I don't really apply for like retreats if like it's like oh we you know you go out to the woods for 
a week and we provide you meals. But like that's all that, you know, there's no Wi-Fi or whatever. Because I'm like, I I don't want to be away from people when I write. Um, I feel like so many retreats are like, okay, here's the deal. You're going to like literally a mosquito wasteland in Vermont. (laughs) You're only going to get dinner. That's the only Mm -hmm. deal we're going to provide. And at least 10 hours while you're here, you have to work on a farm. It's like, (laughs) wait a second. Wait, wait one second. And then at the end of your four days, we're going to invite the local folk and you're going to show a piece of what you've been working on. It's like, wait a second. Oh, and you have to find your own way to get here. Like, right, it's right. like, wait a second. What? This is a retreat. Are you sure? And like, <laughs> it's like, like <laughs> the legit ones, like the ones that are like legit. They're like, I cannot even. I feel like they get my emails at this point, and they immediately go to spam. Like space. Oh Forget it. Like <laughs> you would um, be perfect for space. I can't um, believe that. Oh, I think that I don't. They must know about me. Like I just cannot get in. Like God, you know. No, I don't know. I I think it's a weird <laughs> balance. You put yourself on. Oh yeah. So like, oh, when I was writing, when I was finishing my book, I was like, I have to, I have to like go away. So I like got an Airbnb in like Southern Maryland in this like small town on the side of like the bay and there was like you, there was like a canoe on the property and like a kayak Did and you? i was yeah well, well well david went with me and so we we canoed out to the middle of the bay or like not the middle or whatever like you know a couple knots or miles i have no idea and then i was like great i have no idea i have no idea we canoed for like 25 minutes and i was like great i'm done and he was like, okay, well, we got to go back. And I was like, oh, no, I have to keep rowing. This is terrible. Like, nobody tells you that about canoeing is that, like, you have to get yourself back. And I wasn't interested in it. But, like, there was one liquor store down there. There were obviously no gay bars. Uh, there was, like, like three restaurants. It was really quaint. But, and I got, a, I guess I got a good amount of writing done because I had nothing else going on um, or to do. But, like, I really – I – some of the best writing I've gotten done has been like, okay, this is due at 11 o'clock. I'm in a hotel in New York and I'm about to go out. I'm going to finish this up real quick, um, send it off and be like, sorry for the typos. And then, uh, and go out. Like, I just, I, I don't, I don't need peace and quiet. I just need time. Yeah, I feel that totally. I think I think back to the first time we met when we were on that special retreat in the. Oh week. my god! <laughs> <laughs> there was just like an absurd time, and the man literally barged into our. <laughs> yes, there was like yeah, the wo- the woods killer walked in and was like with a he had the headlamp on right. He definitely had a headlamp on. He walked straight into the middle of the room, looked us all in the eye and was like, I didn't expect there to be this many of you. We were like, (laughs) like, sir, please leave. Like, it was so scary. It was terrifying. The bear, remember? Yeah, a little baby bear. Sam saw the bear. It was too much. And then the, little ra- the hot ranger showed up looking for the bear. It was so much. I was and like, this there is... There were the hot fratty boys, though, that we followed to the pond or That's the lake true. or whatever yeah. that was. The mud yeah. puddle. Like, whatever was happening back there. That's the thing. It's also so interesting. Like, so many of these, like, retreats and, like, writers, whatever, you know, uh, getaways. Like, there is this idea of, like, you're going to, like, rest and swim and relax and I feel like I need those two things to be separate. Like, 
if I am thinking about like a play or whatever, I'm just going to write until it gets done. Um, and then, but if I'm like, Hey, you know, you can go swim, you can go like, look at like cute Friday boys. Um, you can like drink whiskey with your friends. That's what I want to do. Like, I just want to have a playwriting retreat where we don't do any writing. I know. And it's also, I also don't want to talk about any plays. Like I feel mm-hmm. like I feel strongly about that. Like mm-hmm. there's nothing that kills a writer's retreat more than when someone's like, I have five pages. Does anyone want to read? <laughs> like, no, we, no, we don't want to read them actually. Like we don't care what you're writing because I'm behind on my shit, sir. Like, <laughs> there's a real push pull where it's like, Oh, we have to be like, giving and sociable and like what I loved about meeting you on that retreat was that like we were both like we're gonna drink all the whiskey and talk shit about everyone we mutually know um and like scream all night and then like I think I finished my revisions like the first day and I don't know if if you were like I'm good I'm done I don't care and we just like terrorized the woods and I was like this is what I need this is what I want um, that's how it should be. I feel like there's so much pressure on like, on like, on all of those things to like, actually it's the thing where it's like the process versus product and like, mm-hmm. wait, you know what I mean? That conversation that's like so cliche and tired, but like that thing that's like always happening. Um, and I think that like retreats sometimes are like the process is like not great sometimes with that, you know, like when it should be great. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's about the people that go, like, I feel like retreats that I've given myself have often been more successful. Kind of like what you were talking about, where it's like, I'm able to curate the situation Mm -hmm. as opposed to like an institution curating the retreat, because then there's like bonding exercises. And I don't, I don't need any of that. Like, (laughs) I don't, I don't, I don't want to go on a retreat and like cuddle up on a couch and watch Harry Potter four. Do you know what I mean? (laughs) I'm uninterested, I'm uninterested in that. Like I, I want to be like left alone and then like social at night, like, and social mm-hmm. at night is like, for me, like not that it's like you said, drinking whiskey and like talking like moderate shit about people that we know. That's great to me. Yeah, no, that's, that's the ideal. And I feel like that should be part of the application process. It's like, what kind of person are you? Like, are you like, do you want to like work like a weird hermit all day? And then at like five o'clock on the dot, um, and then like, you know, turn into like a party monster, which like I would be like, yeah, that is an application I could fill out immediately. And like, like my- no working on a farm, like never <laughs> on a farm be like part of the thing. Like, I feel like I can't I can't support that. See, I well, here's the thing. I've actually thought about some of those like those farm retreats only because I'm very interested in getting out of my head. And I feel like that kind of manual labor would be really interesting for me. And I also have like, so I have some ideas around like working, working on a play around food justice, but like that would be a very specific objective. Whereas if I'm like writing my, like whatever, like my, uh, my regular work, that's not about food justice. I'd be like, no, no, no. I don't need to like pull an eggplant right now. But like call me next year when I'm thinking about like, you know, what the earth means and dirt on the fingernails and whatnot. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Cause like, you know, I don't know. You, I'm sure you have like nine million projects going on in your head. I, I do too. And like sometimes I just need to like do something that is uh, not brain related. And I feel like that might be interesting, but not, not for most projects. Yeah, totally. Like I'm just like, I need a good Wi-Fi signal because like my process is like literally 
I need to have access to like Netflix for Grey's Anatomy and between writing. <laughs> I need a microwave like for my lean cuisine pizzas. And <laughs> I need like also Wi-Fi to access SeanCody.com for when oh I'm bored God, too. Oh my God, and, you're a complete mess. Like literally, like that is my process. It's like Grey's Anatomy, gay porn, lean cuisine pizzas, like right. Like, and if I don't have those conflation of things, I feel like it's a struggle for me to be on it. I get that. I mean, I totally do. Like, I like I need Twitter, which is a sad thing to need, but I do. Like, I'm like, no, if I'm right. I mean, for you, that makes total sense. Yeah, and like, there are times where I'm just like, oh, this is a funny thought that like doesn't necessarily need to go into play, but I can like put it on the, online and like get instant gratification. Um, and uh, yeah, I need like other people, like like pu- the public. Like, I I like be- writing in cities more than I like writing in suburban spaces. Um, mm-hmm. And like, I I need to be able to like Google things because. Uh, I like, I don't I, think I'm, I literally know three things. Like, no, I, I, I feel the same way. I yeah. know three things. And that's like, I need to Google a hundred percent. I know that many things exist. I do not know what they are. And so I'm like, oh, I write plays about smart people sometimes. And I'm like, what is that word that I'm thinking of? And it's like, it's, you know, it's together. And I'm like, oh, didn't know that one. <laughs> Haven't heard of that word. Um, <laughs> I, I also feel like speaking of like your writing and your tweeting and things, I feel like we have to take a moment to talk about just like, you know, your our mutual, like our famous Puerto Ricans that, you know, uh, like yes. Lynn Manuel, like being like, oh my God, like literally this book, like that plug, that was an amazing moment. And I felt like I just wanted to weep for you in that moment. <laughs> No, I wouldn't tweet for myself. I had my phone off. I was at like a, a book reading, uh, a, a, yeah, book reading uh, by a high school friend of mine, feeling like a little bit envious because he had a book out and I don't yet. And then I turn my phone back on and I see all these notifications. And immediately when I see all the notifications, I'm like, oh, I'm canceled. I did something. Like, I'm just like, what, what is it? It's like, you know, when this, when this interview comes out, I'm going to be like, oh, I'm canceled. Um, and... <laughs> But yeah, he, it was so kind. He like read and like, so the, the process is, you know, you can, the publisher will send like, just like a printed out copy of your book to like famous people who you're friends with, um, before like they even publish like advanced copies. So like they went to like Kinko's and printed out my manuscript and like I DM'd uh, Lin-Manuel and I was like, can I send you a copy of my book? And he was like, uh, sure. So he got like my book looking like a, a master's thesis and then read it and then tweeted about it. And it, like, it was the, like literally the best thing that's ever happened to me. Yeah. I mean, it was like literally I I was that was an amazing moment. And I also feel like speaking of the best things that ever happened to me and Puerto Rican, I literally saw Hustlers, which, as you know, like mm-hmm. my queen. And if you have to connect with her, I would like her to also hear this podcast. I feel like <laughs> Um, she, like, I saw Hustlers and I literally at the end was a sobbing mess and Kevin was looking at me like, ma'am, what is happening to you right now? I could not control myself. And then the next day, J-Lo is fucking doing the Super Bowl halftime, which as you know, I was been talking about that for years. You caught me on Instagram video where I was like pissing in Woody's at the game <laughs> here. And I was just like, you know, Puerto Rico needs a halftime show. J-Lo and Fonsi. And I, you were like, wow, you're really repping hard right now. <laughs> and finally, it came to fruition. Like, I am like, 
I'm beyond myself over this it. This is your year. This is your, you have manifested all of this. It is your Puerto Rican year. I am so I excited. Jayla's going to get that Puerto, that Oscar. Um, I, you know, and she at her concerts, I saw her perform at her concert. She like gives out her phone number and what? like, it's like one of those things where now she like will text everyone like once a month and be like, Hey, have you seen my movie? But like, <laughs> I'm, like I'm convinced that it's like actually real. So I text her like, twice a week and I'll just send her a picture of me and be like, your favorite Boricua loves you, like whatever. And like, she never responds clearly. <laughs> these, these like very earnest, heartfelt text messages are probably going to like a publicist or something. And they're like, something is wrong with this person. <laughs> like, I'm so obsessed so much with help. this. Oh. I love the idea of you just sending selfies to JLo and her being like, excuse me, what is happening here? She's probably like, um, I just, I don't understand. Like, I have no context, like, what this is. I sent, like, her, like, me in her T-shirt and my good friend Marvin in his Selena T-shirt. And they kind of match. And he's Mexican and I'm Puerto Rican. And we, like, held each other in this beautiful picture. And I, like, sent it to her with this gorgeous caption. And I was like, this is going to get her to respond. You know, she didn't respond. But I feel like there's still hope for me. No, I mean, this is your year. You are going to meet J-Lo. It is happening. Uh, you're going to, like, meet the Property Brothers, and then the next step is J-Lo. That's, like, that's how Hollywood works. <laughs> you go from the Property Brothers to J-Lo. Like, exactly. That, like, something about that makes sense. Um, yeah, it's, like, very Illuminati. No, I'm very excited. I'm very excited for you. I'm very excited for J-Lo. That monologue she has at the end of Hustlers is so good. And, like, I've read criticism that it's like, oh, yeah, they're spelling the theme in the movie. It's like, okay, yeah, I don't mind that because it's been a movie of slow-mo and glitz and, like, like people doing shots. I Tell me the theme. I love Absolutely. it. Literally, like, her body in it is, like, insane. And we, like, also brought Julia Stiles back from the dead to do the oh film. Oh, God. I'm <laughs> job in it. Like, I think Julia Stiles is, like, very compelling. And I was like, but where have you been, ma'am? Like, I loved it. She's got born identity money. She doesn't care. She's just <laughs> chilling out. That's right. I forgot. She does have that. Um, but I thought it was great. And I'm glad that you got to see it and have a good time, too. Because I was yeah. like, this is like, this is the brand. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I'm obsessed with it. I'm probably going to go see it again. Um, I guess we have to like end this conversation, which is a shame because we I would talk to you for like six more hours. Literally, they should just we should just do this every month. I think so. Great. So it's it's set. Um, I'm sure uh, that uh, that they'll like arrange it with their uh, like their technicians. Um, we're we've booked ourselves a regular podcast appearance. Uh, <laughs> Literally, it's great. This is this is us now. Here we are. This is that's the name of the podcast. This is us. Um, it's not taken by anything else. No, this is it. But this was great talking to you. I feel like we don't do this enough. So this felt really beautiful. Uh, yeah, I felt really good. I'm really excited for you. I'm really excited for your your beautiful uh, Puerto Rican um, year. Um, and <laughs> I love it. It's going to be great. And I'm excited for you, too. And I, I love this rivalry between you and Jeremy O'Harris. I can't wait oh to watch God. it. Fast. <laughs> oh, my God. I just I keep picking successful black people. And I'm like, oh, now you're my enemy. So we'll see how that goes for my life and career. Also, I'm going to be in Philly uh, during a workshop in December. So we're definitely hanging out. I'm going to oh. try the. Like, my play, Thruple, 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 is happening. The Rimjot play in Philly in December. We should try to, like, you know, do oh, a thing. Yes. Okay, yeah, yeah, that'd be amazing. Yes, 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 yes. All right. What? Wait, do you know what the date? Or we, we can text about this. Yeah, we... <laughs>
<laughs> I love this. Okay, great. This is amazing. All right. I'll talk to you later. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to that amazing conversation between Eric and Hayden Bryce. Be sure to follow both them on social media for the latest on what they're up to. And also check out Eric's memoir, which sounds fantastic. Ashland New Place Festival Play for Keeps podcast is produced here in beautiful Ashland, Oregon by me, Andy Neal, and Cara Quinn Lewis, with written content edited by Carol Florian. Many thanks to our supporters and AMPF members who help support this work on the podcast and on stage. Visit us online at ashlandnewplays.org. We're also on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. Help us spread the word. Like, follow, share, and subscribe. I'm your host, Andy Neal. Thanks for listening to the Ashland New Plays Festival Play for Keeps podcast.